0: Today, it's about bread. Our focus is on bread. And we'll we'll see as we go on what what the implications of that are. Our next next slide. Uh, There are various types of bread, as we know. Um, You have plain, pan, or artisan. Um, It's working there. I don't know what your favourite is. But um, all sorts of different kinds of bread it's, it's a really staple food <laughs> in all sorts of countries around the world it's, and for centuries and centuries it's been one of the basic things that you need to feed yourself and to live and, and to be sustained um, and it represents I suppose Obviously, food and nourishment and sustenance, but it has that basic quality to it that you know you can't you can't really do without it. Although probably in our day in our culture, you you could, but historically, it's been uh, you know a basic to life. This is Lake Garda, and what's that got to do with bread? I was in holiday in Lake Garda with my father-in-law who took in the beauty of the surroundings but then turned to me and said, John, where would you go for a pint of milk or a loaf of bread around here? Which always struck me as a sort of grudging, <laughs> grudging holiday maker kind of thing. But there's that thing that people carry about with them. You know, If, if I'm too far away from the place where I might be able to get bread and milk then I might be in difficulty my my safety my security might be at risk um, we have other meanings associated with bread um, money bread as dough we all need it pretty bad I know I know um, there's also, a th- I don't know what you think I'm trying to get at here. Any guesses? This is bread and circuses. Okay, so you, on the left hand you've got the, kinda, the consumer greedy person uh, consumed by the need for more to eat, more to eat, more to eat. And also that that sense that we have in life where we get distracted. You know, it's like in in Roman times it would be the the Colosseum and the games would be put on. Um, We've got our own games and stadiums and things that distract us, perhaps from the things that are really important in life. Um, Give them bread and circuses and they will never revolt. Um, Said poet juvenile so I don't know anything else occurred to people in in the context of the word bread that we missed out on slightly unusual Liverpudlian uh sitcoms anything else what's that I didn't catch that oh <laughs> <laughs> that's your best Liverpool accent of the day Yeah. yeah. so that, that, there's that general background then around bread as a concept and Jesus is obviously uh, conscious of some of those associations that people will have as he speaks of himself um, as the bread of life as we said earlier on, he had just finished um, the miracle of bringing food to the the 5,000 people that, as Lionel uh, was, was discussing with us last week, um, the loaves and the fishes, and bread was abundant. And, and Lionel was, was sowing the seed of the thought that... <sighs> Yes, there were a few loaves for him to work with, but God, God through Jesus, was really creating something out of nothing. He, you know. So um, bread was, was the theme as the, the crowds flocked to, to find him as he went off to, to try and get some peace and quiet, and, and they, they followed him. And when they, when they do catch up with him, he says to them, I know why you're here. It's not because of who I am, or it's not because of uh, your, your wish to follow me. You, you had your stomachs filled, basically, is what he says to them. Uh, so d- Jesus is kind of discerning the motives of the people who are flocking to him. And I guess that's always a theme in in the Bible, in the gospel, that that. Our motives are often suspect. The reasons we want to follow Jesus are sometimes suspect. Um, and here Jesus was, was bringing that to, you know, to attention straight away. So when he's talking about the bread of life, he's obviously not talking about that uh, physical bread only. It's not, it's not the bread that satisfies our stomachs. Or, or, or he wouldn't be saying to them, I, you know, I know why you're here, you had your fill, you're not really interested in me. And we know that elsewhere, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. And, and the, you know, the context there is obviously the bread that, that we eat to fill our stomachs. There's more to life than that, he's, he's saying to them so Jesus says to them do not work for the food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you for on him God the father has placed his seal of approval so Jesus is is comparing himself to a certain kind of food, a spiritual food, um, a spiritual food that, that brings uh, sustenance. Then, the, then they say to him, well, what about that? Our ancestors got manna from heaven. Could you not supply us with that kind of food? But maybe that would, it, it would, it would satisfy our physical desires, but it's also coming from heaven, and is that not really, you know, if, if you gave us a sign like that, then we might believe that what you're saying is, is, is true or that, that who you say you are is true. But Jesus rejects that and he pushes back against that and he says, it's not Moses that has given you the bread from heaven. And very directly here he's, 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 he's speaking about himself it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so I think we're drawn, first of all, to think about the incarnation then, that this is, this is the bread that came down from heaven in the form of a baby it, this the, the infant jesus it, it seems to be very directly related to what what Jesus has just said, and one interesting thing I, I found here 's the baby, the son of God, God come to be with us as a man. And he's born in Bethlehem, which apparently translates as the house of bread, which I hadn't realized until I was looking at this this week. So, what is the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life, the gift of the infant child amongst us is the start of the story of the bread of life. But the bread of life, Well, as a result of that, we have to get our heads around the fact that the bread of life is this joint endeavor that God becomes man, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, and that the bread of life that Jesus claims to be uh, has these two natures, in, indivisible, inseparable, unchangeable, inconfusibly, It's really hard for us to understand how can God and man exist in one being. But that, that is the teaching of the Bible, and that is the nature of this bread of life that has come uh, as a gift to us. So God became man, yet still was God, and yet still was man. And the bread of life has these qualities, which become really important uh, as we take the story further on, because the bread of life has to achieve something in, in, in the world, and can only achieve those things because of if you'll pardon, if there's a kind of special recipe for this bread. And that recipe has this conjoining of the human and the divine in the one being. And we, we're, all, we're aware at various times and in various ways, Jesus identifies himself with this bread. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll turn later on to communion and, and think about that. So there's a kind of unique recipe for this very, very special bread. And although at the beginning, Jesus was saying, yes, it's a, you know, I'm a staple of life, I provide nourishment and sustenance, I am basic to life, is one of the things he seems to be saying. He's often saying a whole lot more than that. As we'll, as we'll come to see, I hope. So I am the bread of life. Um, one of the things he's not saying is, "I will give you bread. I will give you the bread of life. Um, I'll show you the bread of life, or come to me, I'll, I'll sell you some bread." Of he's saying, "This I am the bread." So he's not a baker. He is the bread itself, um, and that becomes really important later on in terms of our response to Jesus and our response to the bread of life. It also occurs to me that it 's very similar to what we read at the beginning of these series of sermons in in john 's gospel jesus doesn't john 's gospel doesn 't say that Jesus brought life into the world or showed us light or life or Jesus is that life. John the Baptist was a person who was pointing towards it. But Jesus himself embodies all these things. Through him all things were made. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, etc. And I think here we get some sort of sense of, well, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. and, And the gospel is saying, Jesus is all these things. Jesus is God. Jesus is life and light. And we get a sense, I think, of the flavor of the bread. So it has this unique recipe of God and man, but its flavor is full of these tremendous things. So when he says, I am the bread of life, we're reminded that he's the creator of life, that he is life, that he's the light of life, the glory of life, the grace of life, the truth of life. And who wouldn't want that kind of bread? There's a wholesome goodness about that flavor and with that unique recipe that causes this to be the kind of bread that lasts forever. It doesn't tarnish,'t you know you don't have to throw it out after a while. It, it's, it's everlasting. But there's a couple of buts along the way. Um, and the first but oops, how did that happen? Yeah, sorry. The first dot is that the bread is broken. So God gives us this gift of Jesus incarnate, um, born as a baby in Bethlehem, growing up, living his life. But there comes a point in the life of the bread of life that he is broken. Determined to go that way. Um, And we come back then to the nature of the bread of life. So we've got God and man together here. And because he is God, he can minister the things of God to man. And because he is man, he can minister the things of man to God. And so, because he is this kind of perfect person man in God he's able to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin and our waywardness and our disobedience the bread of life is broken but the bread of life because of how it's made what its consistency is withstands that test And it's not, all, all, not only the case that he, he uh, pays a sacrifice for our sins, but he o- also overcomes death, which is the, the consequence of our sin. He dies on the cross, but he comes back to life. He defeats death. And then the broken body of the bread of life ascends to heaven where he still is. Still man, still God and man, still interceding for us there. So the bread of life, this wonderful thing, this wonderful gift that we have, it has to endure this test of being broken, which is the first but. But the second but is more in- in, you know, uh, integral to us and our response not broken just for any old reason or for the sake of it he's broken for us and this bread of life fully God, fully human the creator of life the life of life the glory of life, the grace of life the truth of life that is what is broken for us And so in the story that we were reading today in, in John chapter 6, the crowd start to sense there's something that we, there's some kind of response here, there's something we need to do to get access to this. And it goes through three stages, it, it seems. So first of all, um, they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? So Jesus says, Believe. He says, believe in the one who has been sent. So it's quite a simple response to begin with. Just believe in me. And slightly later on, uh, the people are thinking, well, this, the, 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 there's, there's something really worthwhile here, something that w- you know, would really benefit us. They say, always give us this bread. But Jesus' response is a bit more complicated. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So he says a bit more about what's required. Come to me. Believe in me. And the consequence, a bit like we had with the woman at the well in an earlier chapter. Chapter. I will give you that kind of source of life that will never fade away, never decay, never exhaust itself. But the third time, they're asking him, because they're, they're, they're concerned, they're concerned, they're grumbling amongst themselves, they're saying, well, who does he think he is? You, you know, why, why should we follow this man? Is he not the son of... Joseph, and what, what's all this about eating his flesh? And Jesus says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And I in Him. And this is the point where the bit we didn't read. This is the kind of teaching that that discourages many of the disciples, and they take off and leave Him. Because he's getting kind, he's getting more serious now. I think he's spelling it out more more clearly. I think he's trying to get across to them that this isn't a game. That He is flesh and blood, and they don't know that He's going to be broken. For them, he's going to endure the cross and, and overcome the grave. But he, he's spelling out to them the, the the implications of God coming to earth as a man. I suppose the question becomes really what use is bread if we don't eat it? It's broken for us the bread of life is broken for us, but if we don't eat it, we don't consume it, we don't rely on it, it doesn't give us sustenance, what, what's the use of it? And there's a, a curious kind of, it's, it's so easy on one level. Of course you would want to eat the bread, but it, it, it's difficult as well. And one of the reasons it seems to be difficult is Jesus is now getting to the point of emphasizing the need for Commitment, proper engagement with them—not just oh, we'll have a quick bite to eat and then I'll go off and do something else. This is this is this is life changing. This is eating the bread of life is not a quick snack. Eating the bread of life is that that life changing cleansing of our palate that allows us to enjoy the new taste of the kingdom. And as I said earlier, Jesus is emphasizing that he's a real person, he's a real man living in the world who's going to die an ugly death. His body will be broken, his blood will be shed. And yet he invites us to, and for that reason he invites us to eat of him. The invitation seems to be to lose ourselves in Him by eating the bread of life to come into a full and proper union with Him, where we become united with everything He has done, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, etc., but it requires us to want to give up on all our wee foibles and all the wee things that we kind of hold precious, doesn't it? Um, to give up on all those wee things that are really difficult for us to let go of because we will gain everything if we do. So this is the, the challenge of the, of the second but- the bread of life was broken for us and we're required to eat it. And uh, it's got big implications for us if, if we do. Um, John Calvin said, this is the design of the gospel, that Christ may become ours and that we may be engrafted into his body. So it's that that metaphor about eating the bread of life comes down to this real, everlasting, eternal union between ourselves and, and the Heavenly Father. So this is Jesus, the bread of life, the bread of life broken and the bread of life broken for us